Matthew chapter 12. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, if it is lawful to do, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarry, quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. This is the word of the Lord. I say that last week, Jean launched our new series of Making Jesus Known. And as I've already mentioned today, we're looking at the compassion. And if you weren't here uh, last week, uh, you, you will be able to get Jean's sermon via our website. Um, and that's just an opportunity because as we're talking about making Jesus known over these next few weeks, um, that will just help set the context for that. But as we have seen that video and heard the reading um, from Matthew, there really was a bit of a clash, bang, wallop, wasn't there? In a conversation that happened. This conversation was between Jesus, this God-man, who lived a life reflecting and revealing his father. And then a conversation with, between him and a group of God believers who were totally passionate about the glory of God and living holy, prayerful, distinctive lives that sought to be honouring to him. We know them as the Pharisees. And if we just, if this was the first time you've ever heard that particular story, or if we take it out of context, there's something about this clash encounter that's really quite puzzling. Why would there have been a clash about doing something good, healing a withered hand? And so as we explore this, I'm going to tell you a story. It's part of my story, and then I'm just going to have a few thoughts at the end. Some of you will know already that my parents were part of the Exclusive Brethren, a group of people whose love for God inspired and inspires them to live distinctively. Their knowledge of and commitment to the Bible, the teaching and the preaching, the reading, 
outworked in hospitality and care for one another was extraordinary. Resources were shared in a similar way to what we hear about in the early church in Acts. There was a lot of fun. There was a kind of tribal security and good stuff to be had and shared. But by the time my story begins, a different narrative had emerged. The brethren had received the light. That's capital T and capital L. And other believers did the best they could. So the brethren had received the light. Other believers did the best they could in this life with the light that they had received. But the brethren had the most clarity. It became a short road to, if you disagree with us and our interpretation of God's word, then you're wrong. And an even shorter road to, if you reject our interpretation of God's word, then we can't have anything to do with you. A difference of opinion was occurring and a clash was resounding. When my parents could be silent no longer, they had to leave the brethren. And in doing so, my father lost his job, his livelihood, their support system. And the wider family was starkly divided. My mother only saw her parents once more in their lifetime. My father never attended another church. It was kind of like death in another form. And it's perhaps what we would call these days spiritual trauma. Fifty years later, I'm still aware of the impact. But my story, 20 years on from that time, it's 1989. I'm married and I'm living in Bristol. And with my first husband, I attended one of those Billy Graham rallies that he, I think, was in Earl's Court and there were satellite um, places all around the country. And the Holy Spirit moved within us and we were put in touch with a follow-up group. It was led by our local Anglican church. A vicar who was wearing a dog collar, of course, and a lady who was a curate. I wasn't impressed, and I was in a real quandary. You see, whilst I could sense and see the Holy Spirit working in me and in that place, I had a pretty high view of the scriptures and I had a pretty high view of what it meant to be a believer. And I also knew that there was no mention in the Bible of dog collars, and I knew what Paul had said to Timothy about the role of women in the church. A clash was resounding. After receiving their costly investment of love, energy, and time, into our lives, we agreed to go our separate ways. The Anglican Church was not for us, it wasn't for me. And eventually, after some serious Holy Spirit involvement, we ended up at a Baptist church. 
Any hopes that I might have learned something from the experiences of both my parents and my brush with the Anglican Church were quickly dashed as I sat and disagreed and criticised and grilled the pastor over just about every aspect of what, how and when he and the church spoke or behaved. It was like death by criticism. My hypocrisy was breathtaking. A clash was continuing to resound. That's not the end of my story. And we haven't heard the ends of the story between Jesus and the Pharisees, although you know one and you may well guess something of the other. And I realize that right now I'm halfway through my sermon and I haven't even mentioned the, making the compassion of Jesus known. And it's because it's a bit like looking at a photo negative or describing negative phototrophism. This is what life is like when we don't give space for the compassion of Jesus. And so I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you. There's something about blind spots here, isn't there? A blind spot where we simply do not see what God is doing. And the trouble with blind spots is that we don't necessarily know what it is that we can't see, if that makes sense. That's the point of a blind spot. We can't see it. And so it's entirely possible to take the moral and spiritual high ground and to miss the point. And in doing so, despite sharing the same humanity, the same Heavenly Father, without compassion, we can cause so much anguish and pain and turmoil to one another. Or as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 13, without love, we are a clanging symbol. But it's into these blind spots that Jesus wants to pour his compassion into. Because compassion disarms fear and leads to life. Or as John puts it, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. And I can't speak for either the Pharisees or the brethren, but it was my fear of getting this life wrong, of displeasing God, that I found myself entangled in a web of criticism. I was scared of opening up my mind to what other believers might think and say in case I lost my way, in case I lost my faith, in case I lost my God. Instead, those precious believers and in a God moment, there's four of them here today, They walked alongside me 
And as they did so, I discovered and experienced a richness and breadth that gave space for my faith to grow and my understanding of God to be strengthened rather than diminished. It was the compassion of that vicar and curate that somehow held me. And amazingly, I bumped into him a few years ago and I was able to both apologize, but also to say, hey, look, guess what journey I'm on now. It was the compassion, that love in action, of those dear Baptists, and they're sitting in a row <laughs> over on my left, that revealed some of my many blind spots. And my journey onwards has neither been straightforward nor easy. But I know this, that there is no place I would rather be today. There is no place that God wants me to be than right here, wearing this collar with you at this time. The compassion of Jesus seems to be found in such surprising places. Surprising to us, I think, but less surprising to Jesus. And so for this morning, we heard about a man with a withered hand who found this healing on a Sabbath. That was a big thing back in the day. 30 years ago, I discovered it with a bunch of believers, with apologies for this, dodgy theology and dodgy practice, in my humble opinion, back then. You'll be pleased to know that I have also made further apologies. The clash still resounds today as Jesus continues to pour out his compassion upon this earth and into our blind spots. And I suppose the question for us, isn't it, is what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with his compassion? I pray that he as we offer our lives to you, Lord Jesus, that in your great mercy, you would continue to shine your light on our blind spots so that we may see as you see and that we may share your compassion, your love in action to one another and to all that we come across. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.